1: $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash Clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash Clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast.
2: Thursday edition of Clay and Buck kicks off right now and boy, Oh, boy. A lot going on out there in the world today. Much to discuss. Lines open, 800-282-2882. Um, let me see. First up, big news here that the Trump New York City trial has a date set for March 25th. So just a little over a month away, a judge rejected Trump's uh, bid to have that trial Dismissed, thrown out, because it is absurd and flimsy. But we are in really a post-legal order now when it comes to all things Donald Trump. Uh, we, we'll dive into some of that, the timeline, and, and also what the political outcome is likely to be or the, uh, the upside or downside of bringing this and maybe even getting a prosecution all the way through to a conviction against Donald Trump in New York. Meanwhile... Take a, uh, take a look at what's going on in Atlanta. You have Nathan Wade. He is still, as we speak to you, uh, testifying in the Fannie Willis ethics probe. Now remember, Nathan Wade, I don't think we have to say alleged because he's admitted, like they've had it, there, there was. It's, it's an affair. Yes. Yes. There was an affair. So Nathan she Wade had,
1: sleeping with her, her subordinate that she hired. On this case to try on to put Trump Donald Trump, Trump in prison right. for the rest so, of his life.
2: So Fulton County DA, Fonnie Willis, brings an unprecedented prosecution of a former president and likely future president who is the current, well, de facto Republican nominee. And sure enough, Nathan Wade is telling everybody in detail, and Clay's been watching it all morning, we'll get into some of these details in a second, about, about the realities of this affair, the duration of it, what was going on. We'll discuss that and then also second hour or maybe before then, but, uh, Clay is going to update us on this, uh, shooting that occurred at the Kansas City Chiefs parade celebration and what we know about it and how the media coverage of it, hmm, it's probably going to change or just dissipate, I think very quickly. Uh, but we shall discuss all of this and, and, and a whole lot more. Clay, let's, let's dive into this, the, the, the Fani Willis case. It is now not the fun it is the case against Fonnie Willis really that we are discussing here and her ethics or lack thereof. What are what were the biggest takeaways from you? Clay's watching this as a lawyer. He's all excited to dive into the missteps of the uh, of the examination here and, and everything else. What's going on? what are you seeing? and fundamentally is that is the Fulton County case against Trump plus 18 dead? Uh okay, so
1: I think probably because all these cases are so complicated, I should reiterate for those of you out there that are having difficulty keeping up, which is uh, I think almost everyone. What is at stake right now in Georgia? This is the case that has been brought in uh, in the Atlanta area against Trump. Is there was an allegation made that Fannie Willis, who is the district attorney prosecuting this case against Trump. That she had been involved in an adulterous relationship with her chief subordinate, Nathan Wade. Uh, that allegation was made in an effort to disqualify both Willis and Wade from being able to be involved in this prosecution. Um, initially there was, uh, an attempt to say this is, uh, this is not germane. This is not relevant. Now, uh, and, and Nathan Wade has been paid six hundred, over $650,000. And he has also paid for extravagant vacations for Fannie Willis all over the country. There is evidence that has been introduced uh, in affidavits that makes that clear. And what is at stake right now is an examination of whether there should be a removal of Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade from this case. And there is an examination testimony that is going on right now. It is riveting. I, I This morning, I could not look away. Uh, we have a couple of cuts. Nathan Wade is on the witness stand right now. What they have exposed, Buck, is what I believe is pretty clear perjury by Nathan Wade. Uh, Nathan Wade, this all came out because he's in the middle of a divorce. And his wife found out that he was sleeping with Fannie Willis, and that is evidently a part of the reason that they are getting divorced. Um, and in an affidavit in that divorce case, Nathan Wade said uh, that he had never had an affair with anyone. He was questioned about that, and I think we'll get that audio for you at some point. And, Buck, he came up with what I'll admit is a interesting legal argument. He said that he did not lie, and by the way, the relationship he has admitted to with Fannie Wade—that they had an adult, uh, Fannie Willis—that they had an adulterous relationship. Um, He said that he did not lie in that divorce affidavit because, in his mind, his marriage ended in 2015. Still married. Very intriguing perspective. He says that in his mind. The marriage ended in 2015, and so his answer that he did not cheat on his wife was accurate because in his mind the marriage was over. They are, I believe, still married. I don't know that the divorce has been signed off, but certainly were still married when he was sleeping with uh Fannie Willis. Uh Okay, second part of that, and we have a cut, he paid for travel all over the place for fanny willis they tried to argue that this was not an issue because she also paid but he was only able to attach one receipt of her paying when pressed on how she paid they went all over the place on these extravagant vacations napa valley the caribbean uh to uh a cabin in in uh in tennessee uh when pressed on how she paid he said she paid him back in cash. Really? Listen to cut twenty-seven.
3: You said in the affidavit that you roughly shared travel, though, correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So this roughly sharing travel, you're saying she reimbursed you? She did. And where did you deposit the money she reimbursed you?
4: It was cash. She didn't. She didn't give me any checks.
3: So she paid you cash for her share of all these
4: vacations? Yes, ma'am.
3: Okay. And so all of the vacations that she took, she paid you cash for. Yes, ma'am. And you purchased all of these vacations on your business credit card, correct? Yes, ma'am.
1: Okay, and he also evidently wrote them off on his taxes, which is something that is being examined right now, which I would imagine is not ideal. So I would just ask for all of you out there who have ever had a girlfriend, certainly if you've ever had a wife, I bet it's never happened, but if you've ever had a girlfriend that you paid for a cruise for, or you paid for her to go to a resort with you. Did you Did reimburse you in cash? cash? Uh,
2: obviously not. And, and beyond this, Clay, you would, if you were doing it because you wanted to be letter of the law. Correct. You, you would, would do it, do it with a check so that Correct. there was a clear written record of it. The reason you would say I paid in cash is because there can be no disproving of the make believe payment here. Look. I don't, you know, I understand it's interesting from a legal maneuvering perspective and all that we're getting into this. Fundamentally, here's what I see that matters to everyone listening, right? That matters to all of us is I think the Atlanta case is effectively dead and buried. Yes, I, I don't I see agree. how at this point because what, and they won't say that. I want to be clear because someone's going to send me a, you know, email saying, "Oh no, they're going to appoint someone else to step have up to and, appoint and, a new DA." You know. But what's going to happen here? is there is no way they're going to be able to get this. They weren't going to be able to get it ready, I think, before. Um, this was the case that we always thought had the smallest chance of getting to trial, stretching back to last summer uh, when we were first analyzing this. And I think what's going to happen is they'll appoint or maybe someone will just rise up, you know, to take take over the role, and they'll delay it, they'll drag it out, they'll talk about it, and then eventually they will say, you know, in the interest of justice – we're, we're gonna, you know, let this go or let people plead out to something very minor who are involved in it. I don't think that this is going to one, affect the election outcome, which is what they want, which is a good thing, but I don't think it'll be able to affect the election outcome. And beyond that, I don't think anyone will bring it to its terminus. Um, because the whole thing looks bad now. And this was always meant to be an exercise first and foremost in politics, not in law. Do you know what I mean? There's a, there's a stink that this case now has because of the impropriety. And I don't think that's going to dissipate quickly.
1: Yeah, you're right in the way. So if you're out there and you're saying, okay, what's the likely outcome here? I think Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade are going to either be forced off or they're going to, after the way this thing is blowing up, they're going to step down. And people out there who are on the left are going to scream, but the case is still very valid. That's the voice that I that they scream in every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to have to find a new DA. It will be incredibly difficult to find a new DA. It will take months and months. And remember, the new DA Buck would have to completely refamiliarize him or herself with thousands of pages in filing. What is a robust and substantial record of uh, of information um it it would this thing this thing's never going to trial things over so and where does it where does that uh play itself out this is a big win for trump buck because i think what happens here is again i i i I, it's possible that i'm wrong about this but i think everybody's kind of busy in life and most people are not going to follow the minute details of these cases many of you out there listening to us right now you may very well be following every detail Even that is complicated. I think this is going to play very much into the Trump argument that this is all a ridiculous rig job against him, that the people who have brought these cases are corrupt themselves. And let me just say, it's also, regardless of whatever your political leanings are, this is an insanely reckless thing for Fannie Willis to have done. She is single. She's trying to put the former president of the United States in prison for the rest of his life. Buck, she could have slept with anyone in the entire country, anyone in the world except for the married guy that she hired and paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to be her chief ally in trying to put Trump behind prison for the rest of his uh, behind bars for the rest of his life. Her incompetence and recklessness here is beyond the pale to me to even contemplate. She slept with basically the only guy she couldn't sleep with in the whole country.
2: I have to say, I think that you can see this, whether it's um, Jack Smith, Alvin Bragg, Fonnie Willis. These are prosecutors uh, who have this this interesting combination, and you have to wonder if it's maybe a correlation I don't know if it's a causation, but a correlation of Trump derangement syndrome and really loose ethics as a prosecutor. You know, really strange uh, failings. I mean, Jack Smith is a guy who's been slapped down before for overreaching, for basically political headhunting, going after people to make an example of them, and he's been struck down in the past for that. Alvin Bragg is the first prosecutor I've ever heard of who wants to... Make it easier to commit violent felonies, but a lot harder to commit campaign Bookkeep, paperwork violations uh, regarding a hush money payment, and and then on top, obviously with Fonnie Willis, you know she's she's threatening. This is a person who would should because I understand a lot of us have this impulse to sympathy right away, which is a good impulse. But this is a person who for a long time has been putting people away in prison, separating them from their families, making determinations about whose freedom is gone, and who gets a second chance, and she is, at least ostensibly, trying to lock Trump and, I don't know, 18 other people or whatever it is, in prison, and this is how she's
1: conducting herself? We should also mention, and we come back, I'll talk about this a little bit, but also in the revelations of the testimony, is a claim that they started having the affair in 2019, In other words, one of Fannie Willis's under oath friends testified that this relationship started in 2019. So it's also possible they're trying to cleanse this in some way by saying, oh, she hired him and then the relationship started, which, by the way, doesn't make things much better. But there's actually now under oath testimony that she hired her lover to work on the case with her. She is denying that. He is denying that. But there is now a witness that under oath has said they were already sleeping together when she hired him. I don't see any way uh, Nathan Wade stays on this case. I don't see any way Fannie Willis stays on this case. This one, I think, is effectively dead. And By the way, if you want to react, 800 282 because I know many of you probably were watching this as it was playing out, I think, I know CNN and Fox News have both been showing fairly substantial portions uh, of this testimony. And, uh, and frankly, I couldn't look away.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, it's been fascinating all morning. And also you, you'll notice that there is this uh, reality of Trump prosecutions running into all kinds of problems, almost like this stuff wasn't determined. Because of what is in the best interest of the law and justice, but get Trump at all costs is the only, the only principle that they are operating under. You know, Liberty Safe has always protected your guns and valuables from fire and theft, but they also protect your privacy. They've got an industry-leading set of privacy protections. Electronic safe locks from most manufacturers have a code to allow access if you're locked out. It's like a backup code they keep on hand, right? But Liberty Safe makes it easy to change or disable that code anytime, so only you have the code. Liberty Safe has been working to advance your privacy protections even more in just the last few months, so they are the industry leader in this now. Your safe is your business, and Liberty Safe will help you keep it that way. Shop online at libertysafe.com slash radio for a customized, fortress-strong Liberty Safe with one-of-a-kind locking bars and best-in-class fire protection. And when you shop at a LibertySafe.com slash radio, uh, you can use code radio for an extra 10% discount supporting safes made in America by Americans. Okay, here you go. LibertySafe.com slash radio. Use that code radio. LibertySafe.com slash radio. You'll also get a $60 value locking pistol vault with your Liberty Safe purchase only for members of this audience.
5: Speaking truth and having fun. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton.
2: Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about
1: regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious
2: world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call
1: 833 995 Gold. That's 833 995 Gold. One more time,
2: 833 995 G O L D. Since 9 11, the Tunnel of to the Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget.
1: Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young kids, builds specially adapted smart homes for severely injured veterans, and is working to eradicate veteran homelessness.
2: David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He has never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades in arms nor the efforts of his first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud Foundation donor.
1: Tunnel the Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the Foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org.
0: HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com.
2: All right, welcome back to Clay and Buck. We've been saying for a while that the legal shenanigans uh, surrounding Trump and Trump world are... For at least a period of months, maybe for the entire election cycle, going to overshadow the campaigns. I think that's, uh, that's certainly the case for the, for the foreseeable future. Um, we've got already Supreme Court going back and forth on the J6 case. Uh, they're, they're asking for Jack Smith to come back in response to the stay requested by Trump's legal team. And, you know, they're going to be moving that process along, but this case in Atlanta, Which I would remind everybody, there were all these legal experts who were saying, "But this is the one that's finally going to get Trump because it's state level charges. He can't pardon himself, you know." And they were all they were all excited. The walls are closing in on Trump. We were hearing all that stuff for the millionth time. Well, that case is completely falling apart before our very eyes, and actually before our eyes because we're watching as Nathan Wade. This is gonna be fun. I'm, I'm gonna set these, these, uh, these two cuts up from testimony this morning and I'll let, uh, I'll let Clay law, lawyer had it for us right away. Clay, let's start with, um, with 28. If you're telling somebody that you, uh, think because you think you are not married, you are not legally married and you are a lawyer, I think people are gonna have some questions. Here is Nathan Wade explaining the legality of his relationships and testimony before the court play 28
4: my marriage was irretrievably broken in 2015 ma'am by agreement Um, my wife and i agreed that once she had the affair in 2015 that we'd get a divorce we didn't get a divorce immediately because my children were still in school and i refused to allow them to grow up without their father at the time so we waited we waited until the youngest graduated and we dropped her off at college and didn't file for the divorce. So if you're asking me about the interrogatory as it relates to having uh, the 2022 relationship with District Attorney Willis, I wanna say because my marriage was irretrievably broken, I was free to have a relationship. So
3: the question though was if you had had a relationship. And in 2023, you said you did not. And that is different than what you said in this affidavit, correct?
4: No, ma'am. I said during the course of my marriage. So in 2015, my marriage was irretrievably broken. So I did not have a relationship with anyone during the course of my marriage. All right,
1: so this is important, Buck, for people out there. Can you lay that out? Because it's actually
2: even confusing to follow what he's saying.
1: Okay, so yes, this is important. When you heard him there, he has submitted two contradictory affidavits. He has admitted that he had an affair with Fanny Willis in the investigation surrounding the case. In his divorce proceeding, he said that he had never had an affair. His argument for how he has not perjured himself in the affidavits is that, in his mind, the marriage ended in 2015, therefore he didn't have an affair with Fannie Willis. This is a, I mean, this is bonkers. And I actually think the attorney who was questioning him did a poor job of following up with questions there because my first response is, so wait a minute, you're still legally married until 2022. So in your divorce affidavit, you're arguing that you didn't have an affair because, in your mind, the, the marriage ended in 2015. That's a figment of your imagination because you're still legally married. But in the investigation surrounding the Fannie Willis case, you admitted that you had an affair. So how can you have an affair in one affidavit and not have an affair in another affidavit? Of course, the reason is the, the divorce affidavit preceded the Fannie Willis investigation. So he was lying in his divorce case, and now he's trying to come clean because they had the re- literal receipts uh or statements because he tried to argue about the difference between the word receipts and statements. They had the literal statements to prove that he had an affair. Also, we have, well, this is crazy. I mean, this is bonkers, insanity land, everything going up in smoke here. Um, again, I think she could have questioned him far better, but I'm laying out what exactly he's trying to argue here. Also, they were evidently taking trips to Tennessee, my home state from Atlanta, by the way, three-hour drive-ish to get up into Tennessee, Um, and he's questioned specifically about whether he's ever rented a cabin with her. (laughs) He says he rents cabins all the time, which is really, to me, very funny, too, like, like. Who out there is renting cabins all the time? Maybe you do it once a year or whatever. I mean, this dude must have been, uh, must have been having more, uh, more bang shacks than anybody on the planet. Listen to this.
3: I'm asking if you remember paying for a cabin six months ago in Tennessee. No. You remember booking a cabin?
4: I booked lots of cabins.
3: Did you go to a cabin with Miss Willis ever? 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 No. You've never gone to a cabin with Miss Willis? No. Have you ever gone to Tennessee with Miss Willis?
4: Yes. Okay. When was that? That was around 2022. Early 2022.
3: Early 2022?
4: It was a it was a a day trip. Okay. So you didn't spend we the would, night? So it was a day trip. Okay. We would drive there, have lunch, drive back.
1: I mean, this is all crazy. First of all, I book lots of cabins. Sounds like a line that would come in like a Will Ferrell movie when, uh, when somebody's getting caught for something. Like I book lots of, ca- you book lots of cabins? I mean, who out there has booked? I, I mean, I just, that's so funny who to me. Who out
2: there among us has not booked many a cabin?
1: I, I mean, I'm 44. I, I think I've booked a cabin twice in my, I live in Tennessee people go to gatlinburg pigeon forge they stay in cabins here's the other thing buck this thing's not making sense all right i have made the drive a lot cuz i'm an atlanta braves fan uh with my family from nashville down to uh down to the atlanta area to go to braves games that ain't a fun drive all right everybody who has ever driven listen i want everybody out there listen if you do not know this i sound like my cousin vinny here Every single person who has ever driven from Georgia to Tennessee gets caught in the worst traffic in America that shouldn't be the worst traffic in America in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It does not matter what time you are driving from Tennessee to Georgia or Georgia to Tennessee. You get caught in traffic in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It is brutal. There is no way on earth, Buck. I'm throwing the penalty flag here. There is no way on earth that they drove from Atlanta to Tennessee to have lunch together. That no one has ever done that in the history of the state of Georgia and Tennessee. They they may have. You're going to have to drive. Also had lunch. They may have also had lunch. And maybe it's going to be like maybe he's going to come back at some point and say, Well, that on what the definition of a cabin is because can we get he actually we clean that up he spends 20 seconds waiting to answer the question of whether he's
2: ever booked a cabin with her to 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 be fair now i sound like i'm nathan wade and fonnie willis's lawyer they're they're caught red-handed there there's there are literal receipts um they've lied and what are they going to do They're just gonna—they're just gonna throw themselves on the mercy of the court. And again, I I think you know, at some level, yes, this is just about the absurdity of it. But um, more than that, I I think that this is one of four cases against Trump is just is is done before it could even get started, before it could even make its way into a courtroom. It has fallen apart, and I think that has an effect on the public mind about what's really going on here, right? how many? So now we have Donald Trump facing, for the first time in his life, a guy's in his late 70s. He's going to be 80 years old soon. He's never been convicted or uh, charged with a felony his entire life. Certainly never convicted of one. He faces four felony indictments in his almost 80th year of life. And before one of them can even go to court, it has completely fallen apart. Another one may be struck down in part or in whole by the Supreme Court. Another one in New York City is so absurd and obtuse it might actually help him if he gets convicted. This is what this is what we're seeing play out right now. Look,
1: I, I just yes, I I think that to your point, and I've asked this on the show before, and I've never heard anybody give me an example of it happening. I bet it never in American history has someone never been charged with a crime, and they're over seventy five years old and they suddenly get charged with felony crimes in four different jurisdictions, New York, D.C., Georgia, and Florida. I bet that has never happened before in the history of American jurisprudence. I would love to know what the case would be, that that would occur. Never charged with a felony, never charged with a crime in your entire life, and then after the age of 75, suddenly you get hit with felony charges in four different states. I bet it's never happened. Maybe
2: like a a Medicare fraud. I mean, you know, maybe mentioned
1: Bernie Madoff, but I don't think they charged him in four different uh, locations
2: Four four different. No, I don't think. Four different locations. I mean, it's kind of unheard of the the charging in four different places. uh, uh, What would happen in a normal circumstance? And I just know this from a law enforcement side. They sit you down. If they can get you in four different states on federal felonies, they sit you down in one and they say, you're going to take a deal. Here's what we're offering, you know. You never go to trial, Clay, in four different... No one thinks you're actually going to go to trial in four different places, right? Four different jurisdictions. That is what Trump is up against because they view it as just shots on goal. Also, Buck, usually what would happen is somebody would say,
1: this is the best case, we're going to roll with this one, and instead they have thrown so much at the wall... That I think
2: this is messy. So by the way, we'll what I take some mean calls. About, about the plea deal? They, they grab yeah. the one that they know they've got you. And every federal statute has pretty much a, you know, a, a 10 year, some have five, but it really all seems to start at like 10 years in federal prison. And they say, plead to this, we make the others go away, and here's, you know, here's what you'll do. And that's it. Four trials. This madness.
1: It is absolutely absurd. We'll take some of your calls. A lot of you want to weigh in, ask questions, 800 282 And we should mention this is still going on. I don't even know how much more craziness is going to happen here. Uh, If you're a sports fan, fantasy sports person, we're just talking about prize picks uh and the state of Georgia. I said in the last discussion, no one voluntarily has ever driven from Atlanta to the state of Tennessee just to have lunch. It doesn't happen. No one has done it. I have made the drive down to Atlanta a lot from Tennessee. It can often be a brutal drive. You get caught in Chattanooga. I sound like my cousin Vinny. I love the Braves. Braves are a big partner with Prize Picks. Prize Picks does incredible work. If you're in the state of Georgia and you're listening to us right now, they're available there. If you're in the state of Tennessee, if you're in California, if you're in Texas, you can get hooked up in a big way. This is a lot of fun. College basketball season now is starting to hit its stride. If you like the NBA, it's underway. Guess what? Pitchers and catchers reporting very soon. They're already there. Shohei Otani, I saw him. Starting to swing already, recovering from that uh, uh elbow injury, I think it was. You can daily make picks on your favorite team. You can put down ten bucks, went up to a thousand dollars, and guess what? Right now, think about how much fun this is. They'll give you a hundred dollars. All you have to do is go to prizepicks.com clay. If you put down a hundred dollars, they will give you back a hundred dollars. They will double your deposit up to a hundred dollars. You're gonna like it. It's a lot of fun. Whatever game you like, whether it's baseball, whether it's basketball, uh football just ended, but you can go ahead and figure out, get yourself ready for college football and the NFL season. Just go get signed up today. Check it out, download the app, prizepicks.com slash clay. Prizepicks.com. Use my name, Clay, C-L-A-Y, and you get a hundred bucks when you deposit a hundred bucks. Double your money. Just for going to prizepicks.com slash clay right now. Prizepicks.com. Clay is the code. Get a hundred bucks when you use it.
5: 24 on new podcast from Clay and Buck covering all things election. Episodes drop Sundays at noon
1: Eastern. Find it on the free iHeart radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, the ongoing Nathan Wade. Fannie Willis shenanigans. There is testimony. We are going to have more clips for you in the third hour because it just turns even more and more into a kangaroo court. But I wanted to mention another story that happened right off, right after we went off the air yesterday. Uh, there was a shooting, uh, at the Kansas City Chiefs victory parade in Kansas City and over 20 people were injured one woman was killed and the story went everywhere uh, and, and the, initially it was covered as if somebody was showing up and was a mass shooter now it appears to have been a dispute between a couple of guys and basically they started firing at each other it might have been coincidental there were hundreds of thousands of people that were attending the Kansas City Chiefs Victory Parade, and these guys may have just come into contact with each other, pulled out their guns, and started firing. They have suspects in custody. It's probably not a huge surprise. Whenever there is a suspect in custody that does not fulfill a left-wing narrative, we don't find out much about those suspects. So we still don't know their names We do not know for sure the motivation, but it does not appear to be a someone showed up with a gun and tried to shoot as many people as possible. It appears these were maybe two or three guys shooting at each other who had a prior disagreement, Um, and there ended up being a lot of innocent victims. Fortunately, there were fewer victims than might have otherwise been, but for the bravery of many different Chiefs fans Buck, I mean, this is pretty, pretty incredible. I want to play these cuts. These guys saw a shooter, ran and tackled him, and had and held him until police arrived. Here is Paul Contreras. He is a hero, Kansas City Chiefs fan, describing tackling the parade shooting suspect.
2: I never think about it. it was just a reaction. I didn't hesitate. It was just, just do it. So I went to go tackle him, and another gentleman did the same thing. And as I'm tackling him, I see his weapon either fall out of his hand or out of his sleeve because he was wearing a long jacket or like a Carhartt. So when I seen that hit the ground, I'm like, oh, you know, we got to take this guy down. And so, like I said, I did, and another good Samaritan did, and we held him down. And it Uh seemed like forever, but it probably wasn't. It was like 30 seconds holding him down. And me and the other gentleman are hollering at ongoers, you know, where's the cops? we you know, get the cops over here. Get the cops over here. You know, we got them.
1: Okay. So that's one guy. I want to give him credit here. Uh, Paul Contreras, another, uh, hero chiefs fan named Paul Filter also was a tackler of the alleged parade shooter. Uh, and he told his story as well.
5: I hear somebody, you know, yell, you know, get him. I look to my left. I see a flash. I tackle that individual, this other gentleman also aids me in that it was um you know pretty pretty quick a quick thing i was briefly aware that there was a scramble and um it, you know it's more like having a catching a t-shirt at a game i mean i was there yeah. i saw a flash of the gentleman and i i you know I, I jumped i i was probably from a lack of good sense
1: i mean buck this is pretty awesome Two guys at least, there may have been others, but I want to make sure we give these guys credit. They go to celebrate the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Shooting breaks out. They're right there, and they their innate reaction as good, decent human beings is to tackle the felons and hold them for police. And I always think good guys who do things like this deserve to become famous, not the idiots who are pulling out their guns and firing in crowded situations. So, both these guys, this story uh may vanish because it looks like it's just going to be a uh a, a, a all too often just a a shooting that was two different people who probably had long, I would bet, criminal histories and shouldn't have been on the streets and unfortunately
2: they're innocent victims. Both of the perpetrators based on what I saw in the photos, I believe, are uh young black males, correct? that's what I
1: saw in the photos yeah. assuming
2: those are yeah yeah well that well that means that there's no national conversation that needs to be had that means that there's not going to be a lot of discussion on uh, CNN or MSNBC about a culture uh, of violence or about uh, problems in you know trumpism and and the uh, the the violence that Trump and and the white supremacy of Trump and all this if you have a white shooter, as we know, the media treats the situation very differently. It always has political implications and, and there's a very different set of discussions. I know cause I used to be at CNN, for example, when there would be a terrorist attack. And if it involved, let's say a, a jihadist, so a, a radicalized Muslim, there was one playbook that they would try to run. If for some reason it happened to be like a disgruntled white guy, who went you know went psycho and started killing people well then it's time to push for bans on different guns as well as blaming Trump as well you know there's all these after effects but when it's violence that the media covers that involves uh, a young uh, young african american uh, shooter or just an african american shooter um then all of a sudden the media doesn't really want to have analysis discussions we don't look at root causes we don't look at anything like that we don't look at the you know the psychology of the shooter or the perpetrator none of that certainly no political implications as in it's the fault of some politician or it's the fault of some political program and i think people eventually uh have or i think because it's happened for so long clay there is uh, a sense of disgust at this because it is so obvious i mean it's even at the point where uh, you know they they won't tell you about suspects still at large in local news in a lot of cities they won't they won't really describe the suspect but they'll flash because of all the surveillance cameras that are everywhere they'll flash on the screen so they know what the suspect looks like but they don't want to talk about what the suspect looks like because they think it might be reinforcing a stereotype and i think that people do get very tired of that and buck this won't
1: surprise you because you've come to understand sports media quite a lot Sports media immediately went to guns have to be banned. Uh, I'll read a couple of these. Rich Eisen, who is, uh, I believe, at the NFL Network or used to be at the NFL Network. He has, I would imagine, over a million Twitter followers. Nine children. Nine children who went to a parade to celebrate their Super Bowl team. Nine children now being treated. When are we going to collectively realize there's a gun problem in our country and do something sensible for our kids? That was
2: Rich Eisen to his millions of followers. I would, I would want Rich Eisen to to explain to me, I have many guns. Many guns. I have them different places in my house. I'm training with my guns this weekend. Is there anyone on the planet who is less safe because I have guns? No. And in fact, there are people who are more safe, certainly me, Carrie, my family, because of my firearms and my training with them. So is it a gun problem? I mean, it's very similar. You know, I, I have some incredibly sharp knives down in my kitchen occasionally someone stabs someone to death with a kitchen knife this does happen right happens more i think with knives than it does even with rifles uh nationwide by far so do we have a knife problem i don't think we have a knife problem i don't think we have a gun problem i think we have a people using guns for illicit purposes to commit crimes including shootings and murders problem and maybe locking up i saw your tweets on this i could not agree more it's so obvious People that are a threat to society need to be taken out of society and put in incarcerated situations. That's it. Yep. That's, that is the only thing that will actually stop this. And it's so rare, you know, you already said this, what are the chances we're gonna find out these two individuals who pulled out firearms in a crowded parade and were shooting kids, I mean, I know it was, uh, it looks like this was like a shootout between the two of them and they hit bystanders, right? It doesn't yes. seem that this was an intentional, uh, mass shooter situation, but, they ended up shooting a bunch of children, okay, and they killed a woman, a DJ. What are the chances we find out that these are two really upstanding citizens that nobody would have ever suspected were going to pull their guns out in a crowded place and a celebratory day and ruin it for everyone and take lives? Zero. The chance is basically zero. Yeah. Yes. Zero. Uh RG3
1: won a Heisman Trophy. Robert Griffin III tweeted, Mass shootings are not a political issue. Men, women, and children are dying from mass shootings. That's not a political issue. Thoughts and prayers aren't enough. America's a great country. Put the politics aside. Work together. Pass laws to ensure we're no
2: longer known as the land of mass shootings. I think um, you pointed out. That's an emotion in place of an argument. Yes. Which is what you get from a lot of these sports players as well as sports commentators. And as you and I know... And I put you in a separate, I mean, you're sitting here on this show, and we're doing very well on this show, and so I, you're a political and sports commentator, play. Let's be very clear about this, but I think you and I can agree, whatever we think of political commentators, on average, sports commentators, dumber, way dumber.
1: Way dumber dumber and arguably more political, which is crazy, and I think a lot of people have not gotten used to the idea. That was a lesson I learned from you, that I thought you were crazy, and it is definitely true the more I've paid attention to it. So you pointed out, I think the data is, and we wish there was no mass shootings, that only 2% of if we eliminated every mass shooting in America... 98% of shootings would still be occurring because mass shootings are a tiny pinprick. Here's another thing that I would, that I would say. You, you mentioned knives. If I got a DUI buck and hopefully so far in my life, I have never got a DUI. If I got a DUI one day and my defense was we got a real issue with cars. No one out there would say, you know what? Clay Travis has got a point. Yes, he was drunk. Yes, he was breaking the law. Yes, he was driving after having had way too many drinks. But it's really not a individual responsibility of Clay's when it comes to alcohol issue. This is really about cars. If I tried to make that argument, Buck, the universe would be aligned against me. I would trend number one in America and everyone would ridicule me for arguing that my DUI was not about me or my choices or my violation of the law as it pertained to alcohol. It was actually about the car itself. I would submit to you that's what happens with every single shooting, that the story is never, we don't even know who these guys are, but again, I would wager a substantial amount. The average in D.C., they did a study, Buck, the average number of arrests before someone commits a murder is double digit in Washington D.C. Most of you listening to me right now have never been arrested. It's not typically easy to get arrested. It certainly is not easy to get arrested double digit times. Imagine, imagine if the conversation for the next time somebody gets a DUI was, man, this car, we got a real issue with cars in this country.
2: It yeah, would be laughable. There, there are, their arguments are are bad, which is why it gets. I mean, obviously, about it. That's why it gets very frustrating um whenever you look at this. And I mean, you, you can take a look, for example, at—I uh, mean, I was just trying to pull this up to give everyone a sense of it. Um, I'm trying to find a team. Help me out with this one because I can do it per hundred thousand. So, the population of Wyoming is about six hundred thousand people. I, I go to Wyoming because the population of Wyoming is six hundred thousand people, and they have a over sixty percent of households have a gun. Okay. Yeah. So it's a very high gun ownership state, about 600,000 people, and it has, let me see what this says here, um, two murders per 100,000 residents. So maybe, I don't know, Like I, I'm, I'm guessing. Virtually no a, the,
1: violence of, of that nature in the entire so, state so of you, Wisconsin. So you live, you the whole you live in a state Wyoming.
2: of 600,000 people. Let's say 400,000 of them have access to a firearm and you have i don't know a dozen a dozen murders in the state we got a gun problem folks there's a big gun problem in wyoming apparently because i mean and by the way there's all, those aren't all necessarily even gun deaths i think i think everyone sort of sees when you actually look at the numbers and the stats and the arguments they're just they they are emotions in place of an argument and ultimately they want to disarm people like me and they want to disarm our uh, our audience they want to disarm people who are law abiding because they want to control them
1: yeah, and they don't also want to have a conversation about how to solve gun violence, because if you had that conversation, you have, what, 3% of the population that's committing basically over half of all murders in this there,
2: country. There were 18 murders in Wyoming in 2020. Hundreds of thousands of gun owners, 400,000 gun owners, 18 murders. There you go.
1: Virtually non-existent. Uh, if you're a family member carried around the video camera back in the day, you have mountains of video cassettes to prove it, Bad news. Actual videotape on those cassettes starting to disintegrate. That's what happens to video and film over the course of time. It's time to digitize those tapes. You can do it with Legacy Box. Company based here in my home state of Tennessee provides the easiest, safest way to reclaim all the priceless footage you haven't seen in years. Send them in your aging VHS tapes, camcorder tapes, film reels, pictures to Legacy Box. They'll digitize all of it for you and return your old media along with brand new digital files you can watch, share, and hold on to forever. A million and a half families have benefited from Legacy Box. You can too. Visit LegacyBox.com slash Clay for 50% off right now. LegacyBox.com slash Clay. 50% off the regular prices. Do it today.
5: A weekly podcast from Clay and Buck covering all things election. Episodes drop Sundays at noon Eastern. Find it on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your
2: podcasts. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand.
1: Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts?
2: You can look to precious metals for various reasons,
1: Who's there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is severely injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans and who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation.
2: The Foundation's gold star, fallen first responder, smart home, and homeless veteran programs comprise their in-the-line-of-duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families.
0: HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider.
2: That's HealthLock.com. Third hour of Clay and Buck, and you never know what the day is going to bring on this show. Clay Travis, just a few minutes ago, kicked off FluteGate. Throwing this member of the woodwind family uh, on the under the bus all across America, flute players, piccolo players, which is really like a tiny. I don't flute. even know what the piccolo is. See, look at that. No respect for this member of the woodwind family known as the flute. Play is not a flautist, and we have flute players all across America. Telling us uh, that they want to have their word with Mr. Clay, so we will get to that in a little bit. I just wanted to say Clay decided to light that. This this is a a theme on this show sometimes. I'm I'm looking one way and someone goes, "Hey, is that Clay with an M80?" And by the time I turn around, it's already lit and about to go off. I'm like, "Good heavens, what's happening here?" And there's Clay, just gleeful grin on his face as the M80 explodes.
1: I'm just, I'm just picturing Buck, like the flute, big flute community, instead of showing up outside the Supreme, (laughs) instead of showing up outside the Supreme Court justices to protest. (laughs) You You don't understand. They're not going to protest. They're going to be on your front lawn all playing flutes until all hours. What is, what is the most annoying song that, that a flute player could play in like, on Moss, like I, 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 you're the I mean, big big green, flute green guy. Green
2: sleeves might be up there for some people. That's a classic flute. Uh, I don't know. There's there's some songs
1: they taught us Bach in elementary school.
2: Uh, we had the
1: flute. Did you have a xylophone when you were in elementary school? did Did you have yeah. to purchase a xylophone? Sure. Yes. We had. I, this is one of the most ridiculous. I, I'm very anti flute. I may be even more anti xylophone. We had, Buck, an entire, it's funny to think about now because I'm a parent. We had an entire Christmas special when I was in elementary school where everyone sat on the stage with our xylophones in front of us and we played Christmas songs with those little wooden mallets on those ridiculous. I'm going to
2: share something with you that it's just, this is just between us. Okay. This is just between us. At my school, we actually had a class at one point called bells and you would, you would have to put on the ones that you hold. Yes. Yes. And we put on white gloves (laughs) to hold our bells. And then this is for the Christmas carols and stuff. And we would sit there. This was a class. It was like a a trimester class. It was only a few months, but we all learned to, to swing our bell at the right moment Uh, with the white gloves on.
1: That is unbelievable. And I think about it now as a parent. There are so many things that we did, and like I can't imagine now showing up to watch one of my own kids play—not sing—play the xylophone, sitting on the stage, Christmas music. The other thing, Buck, that we did—did did you do that? I, Your schools might have been too good for this. The, our fundraiser was—they gave us boxes of chocolates, and we were just supposed to walk around and sell chocolate bars. And it's like slave labor. It's like the world's finest. I don't know if that stuff a,
2: still exists. We did a walkathon where we were like, "Hey, we're gonna go walk around New York City. Give us money." So no, we were not. We were not uh, above a little bit of the fundraising We had hustle.
1: chocolate candy carrying cases. I'm talking about like eight years old, and it's basically slave labor. You're walking around trying to sell this world's finest chocolate. It's just a freaking chocolate bar. I don't understand how many of the decisions that we were allowed to undertake in the
2: 1980s were considered totally normal. And I'll also tell you, uh, one thing they got rid of at my school that I thought was, was really good. And, and I, I don't know how many other schools had this. We had, uh, required for phys ed wrestling as a class. And oh, not wow. only do we, we have required wrestling, you, there was a tournament that everybody had to, <sighs> And really? like you had to be in the tournament, the whole school, and the whole well from like it's like fourth, the Royal Rumble from fourth to eighth grade. So it was by grade year, and it was by weight class. But at the end of it, you would actually end up wrestling someone in front of the entire school from fourth to leotard. eighth grade and everybody else. And and I'm gonna tell you once once you've had someone like pal driving your face into the mat in front of 500 of your of your of your buddies, you know, it's a it's a good. Uh, it, it's a good analogy for life, but also it, you, you want to learn how to handle yourself a little bit. And having that, people think, you know, that, oh, like, if someone, like, pushes me, I'm just going to, like, turn into a superhero. No, what actually happens is your heart starts beating out of your chest and you start getting scared, and then, you're, you you know, you have to figure out, are you going to do something or are you just going to get pummeled? That's what no. actually
1: happens. All right, I'm going to blow your mind here, Buck, because I couldn't believe this. My father-in-law, who grew up in Michigan, in the Detroit area, went to public school. They taught them swimming, okay? They had a swimming pool at, like, the public school that he went to. They were all nude for swim class. In, like, the 1950s in Michigan, you would go to learn how to swim, and every... (laughs) He's if he's pranking me, I, and I I've mentioned this before, and other people who are like around that age are like, yeah, I, you know, we learned how to swim at public school too. Everybody was naked. Can you believe that that happened? I mean, I'm not talking about happened in like the 1840s. Like they taught them how to swim. Nobody wore swimsuits. All the boys were, and they were not with this the is- girls.
2: Elite men's athletic clubs and and sort of uh, social clubs and, you know, elite in quotes, whatever, but in New York for a long time that were all male. And they yeah. had, a lot of them had to go co-ed because there were lawsuits because of business that was being conducted and women were excluded from this. Anyway, but when they were all male, people are going to think that I'm cr- And, and uh, by the way, the famous ones that some of you know of in the New York area, this people swam in the pools naked. And, and they this sort of been in the pool. what what years, like? I mean, this happened when I was, this, this happened when, when I was- When you were a up. kid, like the 1980s, people so the ki- just, the, we, we, you know, we would wear, but like, the, there were like really old dudes would splash around and they're naked, yes. The kids would wear bathing suits.
1: I mean, I, I couldn't, of all the stories that I've heard about kids going to school, I couldn't, like, the fact that everybody would just show up totally naked and get taught how to swim at public
2: school, bonkers to me. It's how they did, it's I mean, it's, it is, I agree that it's a bit of a, it's jarring, if they had the Olympics naked back in, uh, ancient Oh, I know Greece, that. Back in that. Greece in the ancient, uh, in the ancient days. This show just took a really <laughs> weird turn. Clay, what have you done today? I, I want to talk well about not. a national just... security threat. Alright? Uh, let's stop talking about right, naked swimming right, in Is the pool. Russia
1: going to blow us up in space?
2: Yeah. Alright, here we'll, we go. House, been... Okay, everybody. recentering yeah. here. Blame Clay for this one and flute players. Send us, send us your most fiery emails. Um house intel chairs cryptic warning about serious national security threat prompts officials to urge calm you know what i thought was most interesting about this not the fact that there's some vague we've a very serious national security threat uh and you know no specifics beyond that right i mean this reminds me if you remember after 911 there was the oh the threat level is orange
1: oh no, yeah that's gone away hasn't it we had the yeah, color cause,
2: fl- yes cuz everybody was like what you know cuz they would go to a yellow threat level and it, the whole yeah, thing right. was was idiotic um but people were scared, and when people are scared, they're susceptible to bad ideas, and people in power use that fear to push bad ideas and increase their power. Anyway, they they push this national security warning, Um, and uh, here is Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor. I mean, this guy, the notion of this guy inspiring any confidence about security, I wouldn't feel good if Jake Sullivan was in charge of my neighborhood watch, but he's the national security advisor. Here he is. This is cut five. Play it.
5: House Intelligence Chair, speaking out about a serious national security threat. The lack of your ability to say anything has the potential to raise distress for some Americans. In the simplest of terms, can you tell Americans that there's nothing they have to worry about right now in terms of what he describes as a national security threat?
1: Look, I think in a way that question is impossible to answer with a straight yes, right? Because Americans understand that there are a range of threats and challenges in the world that we're dealing with every single day. And uh, those threats and challenges range from terrorism to state actors. And we have to contend with them, and we have to contend with them in a way where we ensure the ultimate security of the American people. So, Buck, my thing on this is, it's awfully convenient how there's sudden deep threats to national security that emerge when there's a $100 billion that you have to vote on to protect Ukraine, Taiwan, and Israel, or you're un-American. And when this story came out yesterday afternoon, what I sort of heard in the response was everybody just sort of rolled their eyes. And I think this is emblematic of a deep and abiding lack of faith in institutions that exists in America right now. And I think a lot of it is the legacy of COVID where they told us all these things that made us look ridiculous and did not protect us at all. And now I, I was already, and I think you are naturally this way too. I'm skeptical, skeptical of authority in general. If you tell me, Hey, you must do this. My eyebrows get raised automatically. Uh I think it, I actually it,
2: will it, tell every, I will I will tell everyone when you tell Clay not to do something just like in the M80 analogy he's lighting that M80 so yeah
1: I'm, I'm more likely like, when I'm told not that I can't do something I'm more likely to want to do it than if you let me make my own choice and so but what I've seen overwhelmingly from this buck is a lot of people are like you know what I I just I don't really believe it and the timing is suspect and I feel like you're lying to me and, and, and everybody I think that's just the natural everyone
2: raised everyone looked skyward uh when this came out there I, I did not sense you know and i'm trying to you know online you're you're reading between the lines and trying to figure out what the consensus perception may be it's imperfect obviously but we live in this world and you can do it pretty well if you're constantly paying attention to what everyone's saying um i sensed no anxiety at all i sensed a, a near universal give me a break Yeah, everyone's saying, think about this. You have the top of the national security apparatus in the United States saying, there's a really scary threat. You gotta be scared, but you gotta keep your composure. And everyone says, shut up. And that's where we are now. And I think it's where we are because of the failures of the so-called foreign policy and national security intelligentsia. Uh, the, the sense of an increasingly partisan uh FBI CIA and you know those are really the gold standard agencies within that within the intelligence sphere but you know that's something that people are very aware of now and uh, there's there's a general um just unwillingness to be led around anymore by these clowns which which I think in, in for the most part is a good thing right i the, the problem is there could be something that's real one day and not only do we have clowns in charge we have people who will assume the clowns are honking their noses again. You know what I mean? They're not we're not yeah. going to take it as seriously as we should. And the one thing
1: that's a bit alarming about that buck is it is the boy who cries wolf scenario, right? At some point in time, there is going to be something where we're going to need to know that there is a danger and it's going to make sense to respond to it. The problem is we've been lied to and gaslit to such an extravagant degree that that I think many people, I would put myself in this category, are not going to believe threats that are actually serious in nature because all of the lies have piled up and there isn't a reason to trust the people in positions of authority. And I don't know how that gets rebuilt. I think, Buck, probably you and I are too young to remember this. I think some of our listeners will recall it. The, The legacy of Vietnam was a profound distrust in this country. Yeah. And I think after 9-11, people were pretty trusting in the United States. I think people genuinely thought, hey, everybody's trying to do the best thing that they can.
2: And now I, I don't know how that gets rebuilt. It might take a generation. It might take longer. 800-282-2882. The first sound an unborn child makes comes from their heart. A child's not even a month into its existence, still in the womb before we can hear the baby's heartbeat. At five weeks into its life, that heart is big enough, loud enough, to be captured on ultrasound. That's where Preborn steps in, the nonprofit organization that helps pregnant mothers contending with the decision of abortion or life for their child. Because of the kind of work they do and by providing a free ultrasound in the process, they're able to rescue 200 babies every day from abortion simply by providing a mother with that free ultrasound. Hearing her child's heartbeat and seeing their perfectly formed body in the womb so often makes a difference and pushes that mother toward the decision to give the baby life, give her child life. That gives life to her child it also in so many ways, ways saves the life of that mother because she won't live with the trauma of a decision that she wishes she could take back for the rest of her life. You can be a critical part of this process because the only funding for pre-born comes from you, the pro-life community, people like you and me giving their money to save lives. For just $28, which will sponsor an ultrasound, you could be the difference between the life or death of a baby. And I know so many of you can spare $28. Think about that. $28, and it's going right to giving a mother who is in crisis an ultrasound that will encourage her, just because of her own decision-making and her own connection to that child, encourage her to have a baby that she might not have otherwise. And someone out there, I think, listening to this right now would be able to donate more. Can you consider a leadership gift? $5,000, $10,000. I know times are tough right now, but we have people in the pro-life community who could write that check and not think twice about it. It's a 100% tax deductible. And you'd sponsor Preborn's network for a day, two days, maybe even a week. Depends on how much you can give. Consider a leadership gift. $5,000 $5,000 or even $10,000. Donating is very easy. Use your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250. Say baby or donate securely at preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B U C K. Preborn has a 100% charity rating so you can give with confidence. Sponsored by preborn.
5: 24, a new podcast from Clay and Buck, covering all things election. Episodes drop Sundays at noon Eastern. Find it on the free iHeartRadio
1: app or wherever you get your podcasts. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to the Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans. Heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country. Heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan
2: Turnbull. He sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber, the complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, and he needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave Major Turnbull a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. He moves around his home more easily now. His home also gives him hope.
1: With help from people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers in supporting America's heroes our nation's severely injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders.
2: Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. If you've got a military first responder, emergency medical, or government service background, GovX.com is for you. Use code BUCK in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX, savings for those who serve.
1: Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer.